All right, ladies, welcome. We're studying Pirkei Avot. Uh, today's uh, class is being studied in memory of Yafa Batsara. This is Janet Safti. Aleha Shalom Ruach Adonai Tanihena Began Eden. Amen. Pirkei Avot, we are taking one Mishnah at a time. We're in the first Pedic. Today we're going to study the 14th Mishnah. The author of the Mishnah is Hillel. Hu haya omer, im en anili mili, u'she'ani la'atzmi ma'ani, ve'im lo achshav ematay. It's a well-known Mishnah. The Mishnah comes along and says, im en anili, if I am not going to be for myself, mili, who will be for me? Uh, there's certain things that you have to do yourself. You cannot rely on others. Especially when it comes to the mitzvot. You cannot do the mitzvot by proxy. So Hillel is saying, If I'm not going to be responsible for my own uh, actions and my own activity, then who's going to be for me? Well, you cannot uh, delegate certain responsibilities. They have to be done by the person himself. If I'm not going to be but then Elel comes along and says, and even when I do accomplish for myself, when I am for myself, in humility, Hillel says, Ma'ani, how much did I accomplish in life? Because although I have to be responsible for my actions, at the end of the day, no matter what I do, even if I am la'atzmi, ma'ani, what what is what is what what have, what have I produced? What is the result? And then Hillel reminds all of us of the importance of doing things immediately. If not now, when? Which clearly is giving us a Musar, uh, either like the Bartanura explains, <laughs> you cannot do mitzvot in Olam Abba. So therefore, if you're not going to choose to do the mitzvot now, then when? Uh, by the time you get to Olam Abba, as we said, it's too late. So therefore, now is the time. That's one explanation. Some interpret it, when you're young and you have the energy and you have the strength, when you're young, when are you going to start becoming religious? When you're old, God forbid, and you don't have the uh, ability to, you know, to fulfill all the mitzvot like you're supposed to. And therefore, don't waste your youth on frivolity. If you're not going to serve God now, uh, then when? Uh, Another explanation would be, uh, well, we'll explain it based on a, a, on a deep explanation. Uh, it's, it has to do with what we call Gilgul <clears throat> Nishamot. All right, ladies, that's a simple explanation of the Mishnah. This would be the Mishnah that's teaching us to be responsible and to be diligent, and to be zealous, and not to procrastinate. Uh, do it now. But I'd like to explain this Mishnah in a very deep manner. As I told you many times, the way we learn Pirkei is we like to study the author. It's important to know who the author is, and his experience that happened to him in life, in his life, because usually, based on the rabbi's experience, it'll influence his teachings. His teachings are a result 
a lot of times of a personal experience that happened, and then he takes that experience and learns a, you know, a motto or a lesson or a, or a value. And uh, I'd like to say that Hillel is the author of this Mishnah, and I believe that it was a life experience that inspired this Mishnah. Let's review the life experience. The famous uh, episode told about a goy, uh, a nukhri, that came to the rabbi Shammai, and he told Shammai, I want to convert. Gayereni al-regel ahat. I want you to convert me on one leg. And Shammai, who had very little patience, he took the, uh, he had a stick in his hand, and he pushed him away, and he said, you know, go away from here. We don't, we don't give one-legged conversions. And then he came to Hillel, and he tells Hillel the same thing. Rabbi Hillel, Gayereni al-regel ahat. Convert me on one leg. And Hillel says, oh, no problem. And he tells him, the one-legged conversion goes like this. What you don't want people to do to you, don't do to others. Basically, he was telling him, And then he says to him, And the rest of the Torah, Go study it. And that's the story of the Gemara. This Gemara sounds perplexing to you because it is perplexing. I have many questions of this Gemara, if you'll allow me to express them. First and foremost, what is a one-legged conversion? I mean, he's not playing hopscotch. What does it mean, standing on, on one leg? I'll tell you the way I always understood it. A one-legged conversion means a quick conversion, meaning how long could you stand on one leg for? You know, unless you're doing yoga or something. How long could you stand on one leg for? So he was telling uh, basically the rabbi, I want a, I want a quick, uh, you know, quick conversion. But I can't accept that because Hillel is not going to give a, uh, a quick conversion. Conversion is not done, you know, uh, overnight. So there must be a deeper explanation of what it means a gerut al-regelahat. Furthermore, what is Hillel's answer to the, to the, to the nukhli? He tells him, you want the answer to your question about conversion? Love your neighbor like you love yourself. And I ask you ladies, is that all you need to know? Is that the, the only thing a convert needs to know? Hillel took the whole Torah and he contracts it into one, uh, into one law. That's all it is. I mean, even the reform have a better conversion than that. I'm sorry to tell you. And here, Hillel comes along and he says, the main thing is, that's that's the main item. He doesn't tell him about Shabbat. He doesn't tell him about Kashrut. He doesn't tell him about Tarat HaMishpacha. All these main laws to become Jewish. And he says, the main thing is, be a nice guy. The nice guy close. Be a nice guy. How do you explain that? And then he tells him, the Edach and the rest, go learn. What does he mean by that, the rest go learn? So I'd like to explain this Gemara in a very, very deep manner. Based on what the Kabbalah writes, and based on the great rabbi called 
לבן וארי, תאריזה. You need a few introductions in order to understand these concepts that I'm going to tell you. All of you know that you have limbs in your body. They tell us there's 248 limbs or bones and 365 ligaments. That's altogether uh, 613. 248 plus 365, which happens to be the same amount of mitzvot and averot that we have. There's 248 positive commandments and there's 365 <coughs> negative commandments. And the Zohar Kadosh tells us that everybody has a neshama. Your neshama is probably somewhere, you know, in your head somewhere, in the top. And your neshama also was made up of 613, I'm going to oversimplify it, 613 lights. Imagine it like a chandelier that has 613 uh, bulbs. And every time you perform a new mitzvah that you never did before, you turn on one of those bulbs, and the neshama has now light. You've brought electricity through that part of your neshama. And every time you succeed to refrain from an avirah, you turn on one of the negative bulbs. And the goal of life, or say the game of life, is to make sure that by the end of you know, at the end of a person's lifetime, he has uh, all the bulbs lit. To return to God, a neshama with 613 lights, which would really, which is really a tall order if you think about it, because basically they're telling us that you have to fulfill all 248 mitzvot and abstain from the 365 averot. Now, that's not, a, that's not easy at all. I'm going to tell you why it's not easy at all. Even the biggest tzaddik, the, the most pious person, would have a great uh, um, difficulty to fulfill all the mitzvot. For the simple reason that certain mitzvot are based on circumstances. And those circumstances don't always present themselves to every single person. I'll just give you an example. One of the mitzvot is brit milah. It's a mitzvah. Now, it's not in my control to have a baby boy. I can't control that. It happens to be if you have a baby boy, so you get to do a brit milah. But there's a lot of good people that I know, tzaddikim, that they have all girls. It doesn't make them bad people, but they can't do brit milah. So again, pidyon. We know the great. We, we love the mitzvah pidyon abed. <coughs> Not everybody can do pidyon abed. Although my father did pidyon abed on me, but I wasn't able to do a pidyon abed on my first child. For two reasons. Number one, my first child was a girl, <laughs> so there goes the pidyon on that. And secondly, my wife is a dweck. She's a kohenit. And the, the 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 child of a kohen, there's no pidyon. Okay, so I did a mitzvah. I married the daughter of a kohen, but I lost the mitzvah pidyon. So, <clears throat> no matter what happens after 120 years, the pidyon light on my neshama, it's not going to be lit. So I lost out because of circumstance. And there's many mitzvot like that, ladies, that are really dependent on circumstance. You know, there's a there's a very rare 
mitzvah. It's called Pidyon Peter Hamor. <clears throat> I don't know if you heard of it. Uh, they say that if you have, they say, the Torah says, if you have a donkey, so the firstborn of the donkey, it also gets a pidyon. It's called pidyon peter hamor. But there's a lot of details and technicalities in order to do this mitzvah. Uh, I'm sure that none of you have fulfilled the mitzvah peter hamor. I mean, I'm well aware there's a lot of hamorim running around the street, but that doesn't make them suitable for peter hamor. Where are you going to find the donkey? Where are you going to find the firstborn? We're not living on a farm. We're not, there's not old, old McDonald over here. It's a rare mitzvah. I happen to know somebody in the community that fulfilled the mitzvah. He paid a lot of money, and he was able to get a hamor, and he made a big uh, festive uh, uh, party, the, the Pejon Peter Hamor party. And congratulations. But most people did not fulfill this mitzvah. So there goes that bulb. That bulb's out. And you can go through so many examples. Um, let's take the law of Shemitah. We just read it in last week's Perashah. If you're a farmer and you have a field in the land of Israel, the seventh year, it's a mitzvah to fulfill sabbatical. You don't work the uh, field for one year. All right, we're out. We're living in America. Even if you have a house in Deal, there's no uh, Shemitah in Deal. And there's no Shemitah in Florida. So those are the places that we uh, frequent. doesn't help us. You've got to live in Israel. And even if you live in Israel, you have to have a farm. So that, that, that limits. Not everybody has that circumstance again. So take Shemitah bulb, shut that one off. I'm not going to go through the whole Torah, ladies, but I think I'm making my point. Even if you're the biggest tzaddik and you're the most you know, observant and the most loyal, uh, you still are not going to be able to really fulfill every single uh, mitzvah. We have another problem. There's a lot of mitzvot that you're not able to fulfill because nobody could fulfill them because they don't apply anymore today. Which is, brit milah, maybe one person won't do it, but somebody else will do it. Pidyon, I didn't do it, but somebody else can do it. They're still applicable to somebody. But there's a lot of mitzvot in the Torah that are not applicable to anybody today. Just take, for example... Probably the whole book of Vayikra. The whole book of Vayikra is the laws of the Beit HaMikdash, which is tens and tens, hundreds of mitzvot. Nobody's lighting the menorah in the Beit HaMikdash. Nobody's bringing the ketoret. Nobody's bringing the korban olah in the morning and in the afternoon. Uh, all the laws of tum'ah and tahara, purity and impurity that used to apply in those days, doesn't apply. So there you go. All those bulbs also are not going to be. So the chandelier is becoming uh, darker by the moment, unfortunately. Now, the good news is that there's many, many, plenty of mitzvot that we can fulfill ourselves. Okay, so that's that's the good news. So the stuff that you can do yourselves, for sure do it. Shabbat, bingo, turn on the Shabbat light. Pesach, put it on. Sukkot, put it on. Now we're going to do Shavuot, Shalosh Regalim, bingo. Turn it on. You ladies do Tarat Mishpacha, boom. Uh, turn it on. Kashrut, bingo. Turn it on. Don't speak Lashonah. There's a lot of stuff that you can do. Don't get me wrong. But for the tikkun, for the rectification of a soul to be made correctly, it needs to be 
done completely. 613. The Arizal introduces one way to get more lights. It's not uh, a pleasurable way, I mind you. And it's not, uh, you know, we hope that we don't have to go through this system. All our members are above 18 years old, I assume. So I'll be able to tell you what Arizal says. He says, there's a concept of Gilgul Neshamot. Hmm, Gilgul Neshamot. Which means, uh, it's quite possible that Neshamot come back for a second time. I'm not an expert on Gilgul Neshamot. And no, ladies, do not ask me if you're a Gilgul, and who are you, and do you know yourself, and are you going to remember your old body, and when there's resurrection, are you going to come back as the new you or the old you? These are questions, maybe the well will sponsor a Gilgul uh, 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 course, and then Be'azat Hashem will be able to, you know, uh, go into that. But I'm just touching it today, briefly. Now, what happens when a person comes back as Gilgul? So the Arizal says God will give the uh, Gilgul an opportunity to do mitzvot in his second life that he couldn't do in his first life. And therefore, more bulbs, more bulbs. So therefore, the guy that couldn't do pidyon in his first round, he comes back the second round and God will make him marry a girl and have a boy the first time. And bingo, they, they, they fix that bulb. And it's all, you know, it's all connected to his neshama. Or you know, if he wasn't able to do, uh, you know, shemitah, he'll be born as a farmer living in Israel. And uh, the second round, he did shemitah. And then there you go. Yeah, they, there you have it. So that's Gilgul. But uh, like we said, that's not, uh, you know, most of us would not want to come back as Gilgul. So is there a way, and this is the million dollar question of the day, is there a way to fulfill the 613 mitzvot without having to come back several times to this world? Could you do it in one trip? That's, that's, the, that's the question. Can you do all the 613 mitzvot in one trip? Darizal says something incredible. He says, yes, if you follow three rules. If you follow three rules, three principles, you'll be able to light up the 613 lights on the chandelier of the neshama. Pay attention closely. I'm now about to give you the three rules. I don't know why they don't teach us. They should teach us this stuff in you know in, in sixth grade. This is basic stuff. I don't know why you have to be fifty years old before we start learning these uh, these secrets. All right, nonetheless, we'll we'll save the, uh, the the complaints for another time. Nonetheless, what 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 are these three things here? He says number one. What you're able to fulfill, you must fulfill. That you cannot rely on anybody else. First, you have to check the list of mitzvot. You know, get, get a menu of the 613 mitzvot and go through each mitzvah that you can fulfill and make sure that you're doing it. Because the ones that you can fill, fulfill, you cannot rely on anybody. Those you're going to have to do yourself. So again, if you take the list out, you'll see that. Thank God. You could uh, eat matzah on Pesach, like your ladies did. Uh, you drank the four cups. You ate the harosid. Okay. A lot of stuff you could check off. You light Friday night candles. Bingo. Yeah, you light it off. A lot of negative commandments. Most of the negative commandments, ladies, are uh, have to fulfill. 
don't do work on Shabbat, don't speak Lashonara, you know, uh, uh, don't wear Shatnez. Ladies have that also. So if you look at the mitzvot, the men have other mitzvot. Men have to keep the peot, they're not allowed to shave with a razor. Different, different rules, but you'll notice that you might get maybe 100 mitzvot checked off, and you might get 200 uh, or more negative commandments that you can check off. But you're not there yet. Then he introduces a tremendous hidush. Uh, you, you, you're not going to know this, because uh, if I was giving the class to the boys, to the men, they remember this. When we were in, 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 in Mag and David, when we were young in the school, it's not so popular today, but in those days, we used to have baseball cards. The kids don't have baseball cards. We were very simple in those days. We used to get excited for having a couple of baseball cards in our hand. Today, the kids, uh, you have to have the, you know, $1,000 computer games and stuff like that. We would buy it for a quarter. You get a, a pack of uh, 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 cards, and there's a bubble gum. And they said the bubble gum wasn't kosher. You throw the bubble gum out, and you have to put the cards away for Pesach, because it has the, 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 the sugar from the bubble gum on it. Those are olden days. Those are the good days. Anyway, there used to be a, uh, a term. I don't, they, the kids don't know that term today. But in the uh, card, uh, uh, you know, business that we were in, your partner, if you had a partner, you would call him a bucky. They were called buckies. What is a bucky? Bucky is a partner, which means I have five cards, you have five cards, we're partners. And whatever cards we win, because you flip them and you win, that is a system of, of, of playing the cards. And whatever cards we would amass that day, we share it. That's what buckies are. Now we, we got a hundred cards, beautiful. Now we have it together. It's in the pot. Next day we go out, we have 100 cards. We try to make 200. It's like partners in business. They call them buckies. Anyway, ask your husbands. They, they remember what that is. Anyway, the Arizal introduces to us a concept that there's a inyan of being buckies in mitzvot. Wow. And I didn't know that. That you could partner up and share mitzvot. Which means like this. I need a pigeon in my portfolio because I don't have it. But the guy down the block from me, he just did a pigeon. Mm. So I could go buckies with him and use his pigeon. But he says, Rabbi, uh, you did a mitzvah of Brit me. Uh, you did a mitzvah of, um, I don't know, what, Peter Hamor. I didn't do that one. Okay, so we'll trade. Give me your pigeon or let me share your pigeon. I'll give you the Peter Hamor. And all of a sudden, you find another guy that did a, another mitzvah that you need, that you didn't fulfill. Hey, the farmer in Israel, I need your shemitah. So, oh, shemitah, no problem, I'll share my shemitah. What do you got in your portfolio that I need? Oh, I need one of these here. You got this one over here? You did brit milah, give me your brit milah. And all of a sudden, you could start to, to share. You know, there's certain mitzvot that can only be done by kohanim. So I tell the kohen, hey, I need your mitzvot. And he says, Rabbi Eli, but you have a lot of mitzvot that I need. No problem, we're buckies. You take mine, I take yours, and we share them together. Kod Yisrael, Yishlam Halik Kod Yisrael, we make a new concept, Kod Yisrael. How does that work? Do I have to sign a contract? Do I have to, uh, I, I don't know, how does it work to share mitzvot? Do I need to go to the mikveh? I mean, how do, how do I activate this? How do I activate this uh, the sharing uh, uh, process? He says something amazing. 
he says, you remember when, the, hey, this is a good hadush for Shavuot, although I, I didn't intend to, to, to connect it to Shavuot, but I guess it's, uh, it's an unintended consequence. You remember when we went to Har um, Sinai at Shavuot? Now, you might not remember it, ladies, but you were there. You were definitely there. You and the Shavuot definitely were at, was at Har Sinai. All of us were there. And the Pasuk says, Vayihan, the people camped at the mountain. Rashi right away is bothered by the grammar of that word because Vayihan is a singular tense. It should say Vayihanu. There's three million people. Vayihan sounds like one. So Rashi says in his famous words, that the Jewish people were so uh, unified at that time at Har Sinai. There was such a uh, camaraderie or uh, a oneness amongst the Jewish people that they were like one entity. It was Vayihan. There was not three million people. There was one nation made up of three million, but it was one. There was such a, a cohesiveness between between the people. That's why it says Vayihan. As a matter of fact, Darizal writes that that's the key. If the Jewish people have cohesiveness and oneness, then already it's all for one, one for all. That any mitzvah that's fulfilled by the one is credited to the all. Because you're one. So he says the key to sharing mitzvot is unity. Which means you always were told to be unity and to have peace, kumbaya, and everybody has to get along with each other and smile to each other because it's a nice thing to do. I'm not arguing on that. But I'm telling you today that unity and peace amongst Klai Yisrael has a much greater benefit. Not because it's nice when everybody gets along and nobody's fighting and everybody's, you know, uh, uh, at peace with each other. We know that's a nice thing. But I'm telling you on a deeper level, what makes it nice is because now I get what I need and you get what you need and we're able to share mitzvot because God says you're one. I want to ask you a question, ladies. If I do a mitzvah with my hand, uh, let's say I give tzedakah, who gets the credit for that mitzvah? My right hand or my whole body? My whole body. No, oh, what do you mean the whole body? Your right hand did it. Give the yeah, but my right hand is connected to my body. It's one by. I'm, I'm not a right hand. I'm not a right hand. I'm a human being. It's made up of all all, all, uh, all these limbs, and therefore, anytime one part of the body does the mitzvah, the whole body gets the mitzvah. Now let's uh, let's make it let's broaden our uh, horizons for a minute. Now imagine that Klai Yisrael is one big body, and we're all limbs of this big body, this big entity called Klai Yisrael. Now, you have the leaders of Klai Yisrael, they're the head. And then you have the, the workers of Klai Yisrael, they're the hands. And then you have the, you know, the, the, the legs and so on. It's a heart, the people with the emotion. Klai Yisrael is one big entity. Now, to be part of this entity called Klai Yisrael, or Kol Yisrael, Kol Yisrael, which, by the way, Kol Yisrael includes all the Jewish people. Because if you take the word Kol, Kol stands for Kohanim and Leviim. And then you have Yisrael. So call Yisrael. That's how you have the older nation together. You have Kohanim, Levim, Yisrael. So therefore, I need the Kohen's mitzvah. He needs my mitzvah. The Levim needs the Everybody's able to share. We become buckies. Spiritual buckies. 
And that's why, if you remember, when the Jewish people accepted the Torah at Har Sinai, what did we say to express our, our acceptance? We said, whatever God has told us here today, Na'aseh. Na'aseh. We're talking in plural here, which we're saying we're all going to do it and we're all going to share. Na'aseh. We're all in. You'll do what you could do. I'm going to do what I could do. Everybody will do to their capacity and then we'll put it in the middle, in the pot, and everybody will, uh, will gain. That's what we meant to say. Na'aseh. We're doing this together. That means the observance of mitzvot is done as a na'aseh. It's not e'eseh. I will do. No, you're not in this for yourself. By the way, this is a side point. This should give you very, very much excitement that every time you do a mitzvah, the mitzvah actually might be compounded by hundreds of thousands of times because your mitzvah is being shared by many. So therefore, you know, it's, it's worth your time to do a mitzvah. Every time you do a mitzvah, you say, okay, it's registered as one. No, it's not registered as one. There are many people that might need that mitzvah to be part of their portfolio and it's connected to them as well. So that's, uh, that's very good, ladies. We have two of the three uh, conditions. Number one, whatever you could do yourself, do yourself. Stuff that you really don't, you're unable to do because the circumstance didn't present itself, but through your love of Klai Yisrael and your oneness of Klai Yisrael, and I should say you're connecting to Klai Yisrael, so that'll allow you to be part of this sharing uh, uh, service. But we have a problem. The two conditions that I've laid out for you this, this afternoon does not solve all the scenarios that we need to solve. Because I could do everything that I could do, and I could love Klai Yisrael to no avail, to no end. But there's certain mitzvot that nobody's doing. There's certain mitzvot. I could love every Kohen, but nobody's lighting the menorah today. I could love every Kohen, nobody's bringing the korbanot. There's no uh, mitzvah of Yovel, the jubilee year. There's so many mitzvot that nobody could fulfill today. It's because they don't exist. So although I told you I could share, yeah, that'll add me an extra few hundred mitzvot. Wonderful. But there's still a lot of mitzvot out there that are impossible for anybody to fulfill because they just don't exist. So what do I do with those? Well, that's the third option. Or the third, uh, the third condition. And that is, the Hachamim say that there's two ways to fulfill a mitzvah. One way is to fulfill it in action, meaning actually. And the other way is to fulfill it virtually. Well, we're in the virtual world now, so uh, we can understand this this concept. How do you fulfill a mitzvah virtually? So the Gemara says, do not underestimate the value of learning a topic, learning a subject, like we're doing now. The Gemara says that when you learn a subject, it is considered as if you fulfilled that subject. 
In English, they call that lip service. You're just reading it. But lip service in Judaism is actually tantamount to regular service. It's a big hadush. I wouldn't have known that. Do not underestimate the value of your speech. Ladies, you know how you say the word speech or word in Hebrew? Yes, milah, that's one way to do it. Yes, you're right on that. Is there another way to say a, a, a word? A dibur. Dibur. Speech, words. You know what the root word of dibur is? The root word of dibur is davar. Interesting. Davar is an object. Davar is something tangible. Dibur is not tangible. Dibur is words. How could the root word of speech be object? That's the secret. That in Judaism, the dibur can become a davar. That's his incredible hadush. I'll give you an example to this. How did God create the world? Using which mechanism, which tool did God use to create the world? The tool that he used is speech. Bidvar Adonai Shamayim Naasu. God said, let there be. And just by saying Yehi Or, the words created Or. In Judaism, we believe that words are not only communicative, but words are actually constructive. With words, we can create. Uh, if anybody ever went to a magic show when they were young, I don't expect you to still go, be going to magic shows. You never know these days. But if you ever went to the magic show and you saw the magician pull the rabbit out of the hat, if you remember what he says before he pulls the rabbit out of the hat, he says magical words, abracadabra. <laughs> and little do you know, I don't even think the magician knows, but abracadabra is actually two Hebrew words. Ebra kedabera. I will create ebra. I will create based on my word. Kedabera. Now, they, you know, they Americanize it by saying abracadabra. He's not going to say sefaradi ebra kedabera. It's not the Duke class. He's only a magician after all. But the point is, he's saying, I am creating through the words. I'm going to create a rabbit from nothing. Let there be a rabbit. There you go. So therefore the Arizal says, the Gemara says this, that if you, let's say, in Shul, in the, in the prayers, I should say, a lot of the prayers have in them a lot of the sacrifices that we bring in the temple. Oh, you must have heard of this. But when we pray, we always read the Ketoret first. We read the service of how the Kohen brought the 11 spices and the Bet the Mikdash on the Mizbah. We read the whole thing. What are you reading it for? What is it, just to have good memories for nostalgia? No, we're reading it because when you read the Ketoret, it's like you brought the Ketoret. So you get credit for bringing the Ketoret. Hacham Baruch Shalom used to tell us, I'll give you a I know it's not a show and tell class, but consider it your lucky day. We used to have show and tell in school, current events. Chambaruch used to tell us that 
every morning, if you do a certain prayer, it's like you lit the menorah in the Beit HaMikdash. There's a certain chapter, I think it's the 68th chapter in Tehillim. It's called If you look in the Sidurim, you'll see that they actually they uh, they configure those that Tehillim in the shape of a menorah. You see it over there? In the, uh, and the Rabbi Baruch used to teach us that if you read this Lam Nasayah, like it is configured here on this parchment, there you go, very good, very good. It's in the Sidur. Okay, show and tell. Well, if you read it in the shape of the menorah, it's like you lit the menorah. Wow, virtual. Abracadabra. Virtual menorah. And there's so many mitzvot like that. And that's how you collect those mitzvot that you can't do and nobody can do. You learn them. And by learning them, bing, 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 those lights get uh, get lit up. So if you follow the three principles that I've told you, I mean, take for example, last week in the parashah, most of parashat Behar was talking about Shemitah. Now, if you're an amateur, you say, well, this doesn't apply, uh, next page. But if you're an expert, you say, no, no, no. Because it doesn't apply, I better read it. <laughs> Precisely because it doesn't apply, I need this item. You know, Brit Milah, I might not have to read. Shabbat, I might not have to read. Just go do it. Kashrut, I might not have to read. Just eat kosher. Don't go to McDonald's. But when it comes to Shemitah, I, I can't do that mitzvah. So you better, you better read it. And you better have intention when you're reading it that this reading will be considered, this lip service will be considered as if it's actual service. So you got the three ways, uh, ladies? Now, you should, you should really thank the teacher. I'm not saying you have to send me uh, you know, a gift or anything like that. That's up to you. But I just saved you from Gilgul. I just saved you from coming back from Gilgul. Who wants to come back again? Just whatever you can fulfill, do yourself. Whatever you can't fulfill, if you have love of Kla Yisrael, so your bucky's with Kla Yisrael. That oneness causes the sharing process. It's one body. And then the third lesson is that whatever nobody could do, when they get to it in the Pirasha, don't skip those Pesukim, read those Pesukim, and you'll get credit as if you did those Pesukim. And bingo, at the end of 120 years, the chandelier of the Neshama will have 613 uh, 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 bulbs on it. And that's it. You made your tikkun. Ladies, I, I know this is a Pirkei Avot class. And some of you are saying, what in this world does it have to do with Pirkei Avot? We hired this guy to teach us Pirkei Avot. And he's talking about uh, everything but Pirkei Avot. Please give me the benefit of the doubt. We learned that a few weeks ago. That you have to give the benefit of the doubt. So apply the Pirkei Avot now to the rabbi. And give the rabbi the benefit of the doubt for a minute. God willing, I will return to the Mishnah, but it's a long, it's a long trip that we're taking around the world. I'm going to take a sip of my coffee for a minute. Now let's go back to the case of Hillel and the, and, and the Goy. The story of Hillel and the Goy. The Goy comes to Hillel. You remember the guy, the one-legged conversion? He says, Gayereni al regel ahat. And we asked, what was he playing? Hopscotch? What was this one-legged conversion? He was in yoga. And the explanation is as follows. Maybe you ladies remember in the days that you were, we were able to travel. A long time ago, there used to be something called airplanes. We used to go on them. They used to fly, take us to different destinations. 
It's an old custom that we don't have that anymore today, but there used to be airplanes. We used to go on them a lot. If you remember the way we talk about if somebody is going both ways, they call that round trip. If a person's going uh, one way, we call it one way. But in the olden days, your grandparents' days, your parents' days, you know what they used to call each uh, part of the trip? They would call it a leg. They would call each part of the trip a leg. Is it one leg or two legs? When you call the travel agent, you don't know what travel agents are. Used to be there was a travel agent. We do it on the computer. Used to be a lady sitting by the phone. You call her up. Could you book me a ticket to Florida? Oh, one leg or two legs? Meaning she's saying, you want it one way or two ways? Based on this, I understand in a deep way what the Goy was asking Hillel. I want to convert, Gayereni. But I, I was told that you have to do the 613 mitzvot. But I don't want to come back in a Gilgul. I don't want to come back. I want to go one trip, one leg. Gayereni al-regalat. Is it possible for me to convert and become a Jew al-regalat? One-way ticket. I don't want to have to come back to this world many times. That's what his reservation was. Hillel understood the depth of the question. Ah, you're asking me that is there a way to fulfill the 613 mitzvot in one leg, meaning in one trip, without having to return as Gilgul? That's the secret of Regelahat. So Hillel understood from the convert that he wasn't trying to shirk any responsibility. The convert was saying, listen, whatever I could do, I'm going to do myself. But there's a lot of stuff that I can't do. The circumstances are not going to present themselves. What do I do with those mitzvot? So what did Hillel tell him? If you're going to have love for your fellow Jew, then already you'll be able to be part of the sharing service. So those mitzvot that you cannot fulfill because the circumstances don't present themselves. Through you'll gain many mitzvot, the mitzvot of others. But to be connected to the mitzvot of others, you have to be connected to the body. And to be connected to the body, it comes with a vayihan, like Har Sinai. It has to be a vayihan, where you're one. You remember what Rabbi Akiva said, girls, when it comes to Rabbi Akiva used to say, you must have heard that. They used to put like a pitgam on top of the walls when we went high in elementary school. What does that mean? I didn't know that there's, uh, 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 there's, there's a hierarchy. I thought all the mitzvot are important. And by the way, Shabbat is not Klag Adol Baturah? Kashrut is not Klag Adol Baturah? No. Why does Vavdagamu get a special pedestal? Rabbi Akiva wasn't putting he wasn't prioritizing it more than any mitzvah, but he was saying that if you're interested in fulfilling the whole Torah, then you better have to fulfill all of the Torah, you need because through that you'll be able to connect to everybody's mitzvot. It's a klal gadol in observance of the Torah. This one mitzvah connects you to Many, many of the mitzvot that you would not be able to fulfill. So Hillel wasn't giving him a crackerjack conversion. He was giving him a, a, a very sound advice. He was telling him, listen, I don't blame you. you. You don't want to come back here again. You don't want to come back as a Gilgul. Who wants to come back as a Gilgul? That's scary. So he basically was telling him, listen, whatever you're going to do, you'll do. 
And whatever you can't do, but then what does he tell him? As I know you're concerned that there's certain mitzvot that nobody can fulfill. So listen to the language what he told them. V'idach, and the rest, zil gemor, go learn. The rest that nobody can fulfill, go learn those, those topics. So he actually was giving him all the three advices. Whatever you'll do, you'll do. Whatever you can't do, and the rest, zil gemor, go study. Go study about the menorah, go study about Shemitah, go study about Yovel, and go study about uh, all these mitzvot of the Bet HaMikdash. And therefore, when you follow that principle, you really uh, don't have to worry about uh, returning. You can do all the mitzvot in one, uh, in one round. And now we go back to the Mishnah of Hillel. I didn't forget the Mishnah. Hillel, well, after this experience, which is a great experience, I mean, this is a, the Gemara makes a big to-do of this episode. So he maybe gave us an allusion to this story that happened to him, this life experience in the Mishnah. Hu haya omer, we read the Mishnah like this. Im en anili mili. If I am not going to do for myself, then who's going to do for me? Which means there's certain mitzvot that you cannot rely on others. The stuff that you could do for yourself, im en anili, if I'm not going to be for myself, then who's going to be for me? I'll give you a simple example. You know, the, 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 the men have an obligation to put on tefillin every single day, as you know. I mean, today you have movements that they want the girls to put on tefillin. That's, uh, the world's going crazy. But let's talk about in the, old, uh, the old world that we're used to. The, the, the men wear tefillin, let's say. Now, let's say I come tomorrow morning and say, you know what, I'm not going to put on tefillin, but I love Klai Yisrael. I love Klai Yisrael. So therefore, I'll bucky up with somebody else's tefillin. No, 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 no. You can only partner up with the stuff that you can't do yourself. But if you can do it yourself, you have to do it. You can't come along and say, oh, you know what? I'm lazy today. Oh, I love Klai Yisrael. Oh, I'm And therefore, give me all your mitzvot. Hey, how come you didn't get out of bed today? No, I'm bucking up with everybody. I'm just, I'm, I plugged in. I'm Wi-Fiing. I'm Wi-Fiing. I got the Wi-Fi working. I'm getting all the mitzvot uh, uh, virtually. No, 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 no. The stuff you can do yourself, you have to do yourself. And that's what Hillel said. Im en anili, mili. If I don't do these things for myself, who's going to be for me? But then listen to what he said. However, when you are to yourself, which means you don't have Ahavat Yisrael, when you're selfish, when you're just worried about yourself and you're not connected to the Kol Yisrael, when you're not connected to the larger body, to the body called Kol Yisrael, when you separate yourself from the Klal, when you stand alone, Ma'ani, what am I? I'm nothing. Because I'm not going to be able to collect all those mitzvot. So there's both things are true. In a certain sense, im en anidi, you have to be for yourself. And then in another sense, ushani latsmi, you cannot be for yourself. You have to be with the, with the people. And then he tells us, what's the advantage of all this? 
ואם לא עכשיו, אמתי? If you're not going to fulfill all the 613 mitzvot now, then when are you going to fulfill them? You're going to have to come back as Gilgul. And we don't want to have to come back tomorrow as a Gilgul. Ve'im lo akshav, if you're not going to tend to these uh, uh, needs today, ve'im lo akshav, ematai. When is that? When is that going to happen? That's only going to happen, lo'alenu, after a person dies. The only question is, and I know you're going to ask me, ladies, hey, Rabbi, you said there's three conditions. And Hillel only mentioned two out of the three. I could read your mind over the Zoom. Hillel said, you got to be yourself, do it yourself. And then he said, but don't be le'atzmi. Join Klai Yisrael. But what about the option of reading it? What about the option of learning it and saying it? I think this was alluded in the first three words of the Mishnah. The first three words of the Mishnah says, Hu haya omer. Hu haya omer is not only teaching us he used to say. Hu haya omer is telling us that that's another condition, that you have to be omer certain things. Who haya omer, meaning you have to learn it. Who haya omer, to speak it. So you have to be a who haya omer. You have to be kishani anili. And you have to remember kishani la'atzmi ma'ani. Those are the three conditions. And then you know what the result is? Im lo achshav emmatai. If I'm not going to do this now, then when is it going to be fulfilled for me? I don't want to have to come back. I, wanna, I want my Judaism to be regular hot. I like that convert. I like that guy's advice. Regular hot. I want it to be a one-legged trip. And this is a, a great lesson. You know, now we're coming to the Hag of Shavuot, obviously. And that's, that was the whole key. At Shavuot, we learned all these rules at Har Sinai, that the unity of Klai Yisrael, the unity of Klai Yisrael is essential, not only in the niceness, everybody loves each other, it's, it's a nice thing, it's a hallmark card. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the, the oneness of Klai Yisrael allows us to fulfill many, many mitzvot. And that's why, you might not know this, but in my sidur, and probably it's in your sidur also, if you look in the beginning of Shahrit, right after the Birchot uh, HaShahar, and you're going to see there's a, page over there that starts to talk about the Akedat Yitzhak. We read the Akedat Yitzhak every morning. The whole parasha of Akedat Yitzhak. It's right in the beginning, after Berkot HaShahar. Two, three pages after that. There's Talet, there's Tefillin, and then you see that. If you look right on top of that page, you'll see a two-line declaration. The declaration is like this. Hareni mekabel alai mitzvat aseh that's how the prayer starts in Sha'rit, if you see it in your books. I am accepting upon myself the mitzvah of the That's how a Jew starts the prayer. I am accepting upon myself. I love all Jews. Why should the prayer start with that? Why should the prayer start with because that's when the Jew starts his day. 
And when we start our religious day, we want to make sure that we're partners with Klai Yisrael. And therefore, the first declaration of the day is we say, listen, I'm in. Whatever I'm doing today, I'm willing to share. And I expect that whatever other people are going to do, because I love them, they're going to share with me. The tefillah must begin with Hareni Mikabel Alay Mitzvah Tasisha. That's the first mitzvah that every Jew accepts upon himself. If you would ask me, I guess I was going to say the first mitzvah, but to a man, after he puts on talit and tefillin, the first mitzvah that he does even before prayer is, now that you put on your talit and tefillin, and the lady should say this every day as well. As a matter of fact, there are many, many great Kabbalists that before they do any mitzvah, before they do any mitzvah, they say the following declaration. Hareni ba lekayem et mitzvah zu b'shem kol Yisrael. I'm about to do this mitzvah in the name of all Yisrael. Unbelievable. Because the tzaddik says, listen, you know, I'm doing it for myself, but other people might need it as well. That's why, ladies, before we do a mitzvah, we make a beracha. Anytime you do a mitzvah, there's a beracha. What's the beracha? Ashir kiddishanu, b'mitzvotav, v'tzivanu. Well, why do we say it in plural? I mean, you're, you're only one person doing a mitzvah at a time. We should say, Ashir kiddishani, b'mitzvotav, v'tzivani. I mean, I'm the guy doing the mitzvah. I'm, not, I'm only one person. How many people am I? How many people are you? You're one person. You're a very important person, but you're one person. Who are you talking to? You're one person. The explanation is that when you're doing a mitzvah, it's influencing the kiddishanu. It's influencing the vitzivanu. My mitzvah is collective. My mitzvah is shared amongst Kla Yisrael. And vice versa. So that every Jew that says a mitzvah, it's not e'eseh, it's na'aseh, na'aseh v'nishma. It's the, it's the plurality of it. And as a result of that, it's true. Kod Yisrael yesh lahem halek le'olam haba. That when the Jew is part of that unity of called kol Yisrael, then of course everybody goes to olam haba because the nishamot are going to be complete. And that's that what I believe is the lesson of Hillel. Hu haya omer. First you have to learn, learn certain things. You have to be Omer, verbal, lip service. Waya Omer. Number two, what you could do for yourself, im en anili mili. If you're not going to do it for yourself, nobody can do it for you. And number three, but if you're going to be selfish, what are you going to be able to accomplish? You're not going to be able to accomplish it because you're going to lose out on all those collective mitzvot. And the benefit is going to be v'im lo akshav ematai. If you're not going to do this now, when are you going to do this? In a Gilgul? You should be interested in a regular hot Judaism, like the convert, or like the Goy told Hillel. Anyway, ladies, that is my, uh, that is my uh, opinion for today. And that's what I'd like to explain. It's a novel explanation. I didn't see it anywhere. I'm offering it to our members. I believe it's emet. I believe it's true. For sure, the concepts are true. And... Uh, at this point, if anybody has any uh, any questions to ask, of course I'll be uh, obliged to answer them. Otherwise, of course, I can wish you a happy holiday. Oh, I guess I'll see you next week. Yeah, go. Question. Uh, so, 